Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. trimmed their lamps, 
The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, No, there may not be enough for us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were away buying oil, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came and said, Lord, Lord, let us in. But he answered, Amen, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is St. Paul's letter, first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. I open with these words from our text. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as you are also doing. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, there was a young man early in my ministry, I believe it was my first year in uh, after being ordained into the public ministry to serve as a minister of the gospel, that I was asked by a young man in college, he had speech class and decided to take on the topic of creation versus evolution. And his question to me was simply this, I want to have a speech that proves creation and disproves evolution. I said to, them, I said to him, I'm not sure What's the best way to approach? Now, you could use science to disprove evolution. That's actually quite easy to do. Even though many use science to prove it, you could certainly use science to disprove it. And you could certainly use science to, to prove that we live on a young Earth and not on an Earth that's millions and billions of years. There is plenty of science out there for that. But that in and of itself, even a young Earth, even though it leans towards creation, doesn't prove that God created everything in six 24-hour days. The problem is, is none of us were there when the Lord created everything. So when it comes to creation and proving that creation is right and evolution is wrong, it really comes down to an act of belief. We believe that God created everything in six 24-hour days because that's what God says in his holy word. And those that want to believe in evolution, oh, it's actually an act of faith on their part. It's their religion. It's the philosophy they hold to. They believe that the world is evolving over millions and billions of years. So again, it is an act of faith. And so it is very true when it comes to not the beginning of the world, but also the end of the world. Judgment Day itself. We believe it because this is what God says in his holy word. And there are those who do not believe it. They believe that the world is going to continue on and on, just as it has in over millions and billions of years. So it is an act of faith. And the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, he is not dealing with a group that is not believing in the judgment day. Oh no, they are believers. They do believe in a judgment day, but like us today, there are questions. 
And many times the questions concerning Judgment Day deal in really two ways. One is, when is he going to come? And second of all, what is it going to be like? What's going to happen? The Apostle Paul deals with the first question of, of when it's going to happen, because he opens with concerning the times and dates, brothers, there is no need to write to you. You already know the answer. For Paul is not coming to them by giving to them his figment of imagination or his best guess or, or, or what he thinks the last day is going to come. No, he tells them you already know. Because you've already been told. You've been told by God himself. You've been told by the very Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds them, as Jesus taught the apostles, that the day is going to come like a thief. It's going to come suddenly and unexpectedly. Therefore, watch and pray. The Lord, in his infinite wisdom, did not decide to tell us what day he's going to come? Just simply, he is coming again. And to believe that and to know that and to take that to heart. For if the Apostle Paul would give a date of when the Lord would come back, we would know immediately that we're dealing with a false prophet because God has not revealed it. And yes, there are those who reject the idea of the last day and a judgment day and, and the destruction of the earth on the last day and, and, and believers being taken to heaven and unbelievers being sent to hell. Yeah, they reject it. In fact, their philosophy is that there is peace and security. There is always, has been, and there always will be. And besides, if Jesus hasn't come as of yet and it's been over 2,000 years, what would make you think that he's coming now? But when the last day comes, they will suddenly be overwhelmed by destruction because the world will be destroyed by fire. And the ultimate destruction for the unbeliever is, of course, being separated from God forever in hell. We wouldn't even wish our worst enemies to such a wretched place. In fact, he describes those who mock and scoff at the idea of a last day as simply like, like a pregnant woman in labor. A pregnant woman in labor, when labor pains come, she can't stop it. She can't decide when she's going to all of a sudden have this child. And she certainly can't decide that, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be pregnant today. When the labor pains come, your body goes right into everything needed to give birth to that child that has been growing within that womb. And so they will not escape, the Apostle Paul says. And what's interesting in the original language is in the Greek language, they actually have two words for not. And they're two different words. Both of them are two letters. And any time I see that both of them are used together in a sentence, that tells me that Paul is using the strongest negative that the Greek language offers. In English, we, we don't have a not-not. So it doesn't come out real well in English. But to get close to it in English, another way of putting they will not escape is saying they will never, ever, 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 never, ever 
And that is true of all of us. None of us are going to escape that last day. So be ready. Know that the Lord is coming. And notice how the Apostle Paul describes that day. He calls it the day of the Lord. This too is not some invented term that Paul coined and, and was able to sell tons of books because he invented a word and everyone's now awed by this word. This was a word that the Old Testament prophets used. There are numerous Old Testament prophets who spoke about Judgment Day, and yes, the Old Testament does teach about Judgment Day, always calling it the Day of the Lord. That very term then becomes for us both a warning and a great comfort. A warning that on the last day, the Lord is going to come with the holy angels and separate the believers from the unbelievers. On that day, yes, the earth is going to be destroyed, and he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth, and a new life that is going to be, for the believers, a life without sin, a life without the fear of death, a life without torment. But those who have rejected the Lord are going to face the Almighty that they have denied because they have replaced him with their own selfishness. But this is also a great comfort knowing that the very Lord who is coming on the last day is the very Savior who gave his life for us on the cross. The very one who says, because I live, you too shall live, is the very one who won for us eternal salvation. Oh, how my heart yearns within me. Job wrote in the book of Job in the Old Testament. Oh, God, help us join him in saying those same words. For we too are believers, we're Christians, who have been called to God to be ready. And only in Christ Jesus are we truly ready. But he's also called us to be different. For when it comes to living in these end times, you can sum it up this way. Live. It's time to start living. Oh, not living as the world lives, but live as God has called us to live. And Paul describes that as, as living as sons of light and sons of the day. He describes that in such a beautiful way. When he describes that one who is a son of light and the son of the day, is one who is alert, who is aware and not unprepared, who knows that every day is the day that the Lord has made. Therefore, let us rejoice and be glad as we look forward to his coming. We know that every day could be the last day. This could be it. But also live being sober. Some translate it as self-control. And in describing what is sober, he talks about putting on the armor of God. In particular, he speaks of two pieces. He speaks of the breastplate and he speaks of the helmet. The breastplate would cover the most vital organs, especially the heart itself, the heart of our emotions. The helmet protects the head, it protects the mind, it protects the thinking. And what is this that protects both heart and mind? Well, the heart, he speaks of faith and love. For the mind, he speaks of hope of salvation. Faith, hope, and love. We've heard these words before. 
especially in his letter to the Corinthians. Remember, he spoke of the greatest faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And we know that the greatest of these is love because faith and, and hope will one day come to an end when judgment day comes. We're not going to need faith anymore. We're not going to need hope anymore because we're going to see God with our own eyes. But love will continue forever. What is that faith but that simple childlike trust? That Jesus is our Savior, who won for us eternal salvation. Love is simply faith in action. For faith loves to love. And we love by obeying his commands. So know him well. Hope of salvation? Well, that's what Jesus ultimately won for us, in a nutshell. It is hope of knowing that with sins paid for we are forgiven. And then by the blood of Jesus, we've been washed clean with his righteousness, that state of being right with God, which is the ticket to heaven. And so that ticket is personally ours in Jesus Christ alone. Faith, hope, and love. This is what protects us. This is what we wear. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not belong to the darkness. Do not belong to that which is of Satan. Do not belong to the darkness of living under the fear of death and hopelessness. In fact, the one who belongs to the darkness is one who is not alert. They're asleep. They're unprepared. They're unaware. And in fact, they easily pickle their brains with getting drunk. And that's what they look forward to as they live their lives, pickling that brain. My dear friends, one of the worst enemies to our faith, along with Satan and our own sinful self, is the sinful world we live in. And the sinful world loves nothing more than to say everyone is doing it. Oh, the pure pressure is, is just immense. It's just so powerful. Come on, everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is living it up. Everyone else is overdoing it. Everyone else is, is looking to themselves. Don't you want to look to yourself too? <coughs> yes, even the sinful world. We are not like the sinful world. Yes, we are by nature sinful human beings who need a savior, but we don't live for selfishness, the ultimate false god. We live for the Lord. We live as children and of the light and of the day, growing in his word, taking to heart his word, but above all, giving thanks to God for this word, for this is the truth and the absolute truth. My dear friends, you've been called to be ready as believers in Christ. And you've been called to be different, but you've also been called to be confident. And notice how Paul speaks of confidence here. He doesn't speak of it as look to yourself, see what's in yourself, focus on yourself. He doesn't say because you chose God, therefore God's got to love you. But notice how he puts it here. 
He says, you see, God did not appoint us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. For us meaning that he did it in our behalf as our substitute. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. It is God who chose us. It is God who gave his life for us. It is, it is the very Son of God who conquered death and rose again and assuring us that because of his resurrection, we too have life after death. It is because of God that we are truly saved. And again, we can't even begin to thank him enough for that. So Paul says, build each other up in this. And encourage one another, because this is what we need to hear. In my Bible information class, I always like to start the class with a little presentation, and many of you know this, called God's Great Exchange. And in this little presentation, it opens with asking the person two important questions that sooner or later we must all ask ourselves, and to be honest, it's better to answer it sooner than later. And the two questions are simply this. If you had died tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? And if you were standing in the second, if you were standing before the gates of heaven and God would say to you, why should I let you in, what would you tell him? Do you know that the most popular answer for the first one, if you had died tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Most people will say, I hope I get to heaven like hope in the sense of wishful thinking, but not really certain. And then the second question, if you were standing before the gates of heaven and God would say, why should I let you in? What would you tell them? The majority of people will usually answer, um, I don't know, which is a fair statement. Or many will say, well, God would take me because God, I took the time to believe in you. Um, I, I, I followed you, and I followed your commands. But the sad truth is, is those that will believe that tend to be living with tremendous amount of doubt. Because how do you know if you've done enough? How do you know if you've pleased God enough? How do you know that God's going to love you enough because you loved him enough? You're always going to be wondering, always living with doubts, always hoping to do enough, but always wondering, did I do enough? When in actuality, is the answer is how Paul put it here. He died for us. So now when I apply those questions to this divine truth, what do I find? If I would die tonight, where are you going? You're going to heaven. That's an absolute truth. Because he died for you and for me. And if you were standing before the gates of heaven and God would say, why should I let you in? What would you tell him? You're going to have to tell him the truth. I'm a sinner who doesn't deserve this. I have fallen short of your glory. I have not been perfect and holy as you have demanded. But Jesus has for me because he died for us. He paid the penalty and he won for us forgiveness and eternal salvation, and he did it all for us. Yeah. I can close.
close my eyes tonight and know that if they don't open to this world, they're going to open to the glories of heaven because of Jesus, my Savior, who died for us. So until that day that the Lord calls us home, do not forget who you are. You are believers. You are Christians, which makes you one who is ready, one who is different, but above all, one who is confident. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.